0: When a wealthy, high-end attorney is seen being pushed around town in a wheelchair by his wife, the community is confused. He was in his 50s and in good health from what they knew. Then the next day, when he up and disappears, his family and clients are very concerned. What happened to the flashy lawyer? Was he a victim of foul play, possibly targeted by a jaded client? In this case, the answer is much more sinister and lies closer to home. This is Avery After Dark, and I'm your host, Avery Ross. Today's case has many twists and turns. It's a disappearance that ends in a murder. The victim in this case is a high-profile personal injury attorney named Larry McNabney. He was a well-known lawyer out of California. So, who would have the motive to kill him, and why? This case is anything but simple. It is a tangled web. Another major factor in this case is that this all went down on September 11th, 2001, a time when the U.S., our nation, was in complete heartbreak, shock, anger, everything. I know I remember where I was the morning of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, and I'm sure you do too. I was young, but I remember. It was an overwhelmingly surreal time for many, As I mentioned before, I lived in New York City for a bit and was there for one of the September 11th anniversaries. And being at that memorial, you can't help but tear up. It's such a heavy feeling standing there, the magnitude of those attacks. Heinous. So there's just a lot to unpack here. Let's start at the beginning of this case, which was 2001. Larry McNabney was 52 years old and had a successful personal injury law firm where he worked as a high-profile attorney. He was really known for these commercials he ran where he was riding on a horse talking about how he was going to get you the payout you deserve if you were in some kind of an accident. Very Saul Goodman-esque. Better call Saul. I think everyone has those attorneys where you live, and they often have kind of corny commercials, very flashy, talking about how they're going to get you this big payout. There's a number of personal injury lawyers in my town, and I know a lot of people refer to them as ambulance chasers. You may have heard that term as well, and it's because they will typically seek out and represent people and go up against... Local authorities and large corporations, and this was Larry's line of work. And in regards to his love life, well, he was married four or five times, quite a few failed relationships there. He reportedly battled alcoholism, and his drink of choice was wine. Probably led to the demise of a lot of those marriages. His drinking often led to bouts of anger and rages, and he had. Restraining orders taken out against him by ex-wives and ex-girlfriends. He had many girlfriends and was known to be the kind of person that was always on the lookout for an upgrade. If he was dating one person and met someone more attractive or better in his eyes, see ya, he's moving on. I know a few people like that who are never content. They're always looking for something better. And that combined with the alcoholism, there's a lot going on here. But in 2001, Larry was married and that relationship started in 1996. He found love again. He initially hired a woman to work for him named Elisa, who was 16 years younger than him. Shortly after she started working for him, the two began dating and within six months got married. This, however, didn't over well with Larry's girlfriend at the time, as you can imagine. He had to dump her so he could move on with Elisa. Elisa was the main office manager at his law firm in Reno, Nevada. She had children from her first marriage, one being Haley Jordan, who will come into the story later. So she is running a lot of the business for him, and she was smart. She had a really high IQ and had full rights in the business, meaning she could write and sign checks herself. And she apparently had a knack for spotting cases that would have big payouts. They eventually expanded their office from Reno to another one in Vegas as well, so things were going well. We have this newly married couple working together with copious amounts of money coming in. What could go wrong? Well, it didn't take long for things to start to take a nosedive. Larry was spending a lot more time away from the office with Elisa running things for him. He was out drinking more, golfing, doing his own thing. He bought a $600,000 home and was really only popping into the office here and there. Larry just assumed Elisa was handling everything for him. But right under his nose, things were getting real illegal, real fast. Within the first year, it's discovered that Elisa is embezzling money from the law firm. At least $74,000, probably more, but this was what they were able to track. And this money came from an account that was supposed to go to the victims, Larry's clients. When the time came for them to get their checks, their settlements many were wondering, uh, where's my money? The checks weren't coming. And Elisa wasn't just embezzling money behind the scenes. She would go to meet with clients or business partners of Larry's and tell them that she was actually an heiress of a wealthy Cuban businessman. She would use fake accents. Very strange behavior. Larry's friends were later interviewed and said that Elisa was very nice, but really wouldn't answer many questions about her past. In casual conversation, if someone asked her about where she came from, her family, she got very tight-lipped, very cagey, and they thought this was weird. One of the employees who worked at the Reno office named Moore was becoming increasingly suspicious of Elisa and said she would tell him about her intimate life with Larry, and then turn around and also flirt with him. She would also invite him to go out and do drugs with her. Larry eventually realized how bad this had escalated when his advertisers began reaching out to him about his checks bouncing. So they're saying, Hey, what's going on? We haven't been paid, so we can't continue to run these commercials for you. And these commercials were a big deal for him. That's what he was known for and how he got business. Eventually, Moore and another business associate of Larry had to confront Elisa about her stealing. And at first she denied it, but then kind of admitted to it in a very aggressive way and then disappeared for a couple weeks. She was ultimately fired and prohibited from the Reno office after this And Moore eventually went to the State Bar Association and reports to them what's been going on with Larry's firm. He is eventually found guilty of two counts of unprofessional conduct. And this forces his business to collapse. Clients are leaving him. He has to sell his home. And Larry had to hire an auditor to come in and gauge how long this embezzlement had been going on. Start cleaning up Elise's mess. At this point, everyone is seeing this woman as a nightmare. She's a liar. She's a thief. Larry has his fair share of issues, obviously, and essentially allowed this woman to infiltrate his business and run it into the ground. Why would you stay with someone like this? Larry's son actually sat down with him and says, You got to divorce this woman. She's got to go. This is no good. And Larry told him that he can't because she has too much dirt on him and she would likely blackmail him. So Larry could have been afraid of her, as he told his son, afraid that she may do something if he left her. Or is this a husband that just truly loves his wife and is going to stick beside her? Or did Larry know a little bit more about what Elisa was doing and allow it? I personally don't know how you could miss this. Your spouse all of a sudden is buying designer clothes, new cars, spending a ton of money, and they work for you. You're married to them. You know how much money they have. I'm not sure why Larry didn't catch on to this sooner, but he didn't and had to pay the price for it. This also must have been very disheartening for Larry's son to have to see and deal with. And Haley, who is Elisa's daughter, really never liked Larry, supposedly, because she thought that he was this mean alcoholic. But Larry finds a rental for them, and they move in there, and the two stay together. Larry's professional career is pretty well in the can, and there really isn't much for them left in Nevada. So they pack up and move to Sacramento, California. Elisa, with some of the money that was stolen from the business, buys a show horse, and that becomes the two's new pastime and hobby. So Larry would show these horses, they would win and be able to make money off that, and eventually opens up a new law firm in Sacramento. So after everything that happened in Nevada, you'd think that he wizened up. He hired someone new to fill that office manager position at the new firm. Right? Right? Wrong. Elisa becomes his secretary once again. She tanked his firms in Nevada and stole $75,000 from his clients. But let's hire her again. And again, his motives and reasoning is not clear. But for him to hire this thieving woman again is nauseating and makes you feel sorry for this new set of clients that he's going to take on. Because this is the late 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't so easy to punch in a name online, check them out, look up their credentials. So how would these people know? So at this new firm, a woman named Sarah Dutra is brought on and hired by Elisa to work at the law firm. She was an art student at California State University in Sacramento and was hired to help out at the office. Larry and Elisa kind of take her under their wing. She's only 20 years old, so she's got this good gig working at this firm while she's in school. But the relationship between Elisa and Sarah progresses. The two of them start spending all their time together, and Larry is kind of the third wheel. Eventually, Larry finds out that Elisa and Sarah have actually started an intimate relationship. They're in love. So Larry is on the outs, really, and starts drinking a lot more while Elisa and Sarah are off spending money, living lavishly. Sarah gets a new car purchased for her from the law firm. They're buying designer clothes They're living the high life. And shocker, Elisa is showing Sarah how to embezzle from the law firm, how to cut yourself a check 101. They're maxing out credit cards, and history repeats itself. I don't think anyone's really surprised there, but the fun that they are pulling from eventually dries up again. They can't cover any of their bills and have no money to pay out the settlements that Larry has gotten for the clients. Elisa starts opening up credit cards under other people's names, just adding a little identity theft in there as well. And once again, Larry discovers all this. And at this point, if he's caught again, he's going to lose his license and be disbarred. His California law firm is going down the drain. Clients are asking for their money. They're getting worried that they haven't received it. I'm sure these clients are seeing Elisa and Sarah driving around town in new cars and are getting a bad feeling. Elisa scammed people in Nevada, and now she's scamming people in California. And Larry is drinking more and more. And in September 2001, things were about to take an ominous turn. And now let's get a quick word from today's sponsors. And we're back. So on September 10th, 2001, Larry attends a horse show in Industry, California. Witnesses who saw him there said he just seemed off. He would usually show these horses and did a great job, but this time he was acting strangely. A friend of his in California named Greg Whalen asked him, Hey, do you want to go get something to eat after the show? something that the two did quite often, as Elisa was usually off with her girlfriend, Sarah. But this time, Larry says, no, I'm going to go home. The most glaringly bizarre thing was that people saw Elisa pushing Larry around in a wheelchair, which was odd, as he had never needed or used a wheelchair before. What's going on here? Larry was last seen being pushed away in the wheelchair by Elisa and Sarah that day. And on September 11th, the next day, Elisa was starting to clear out his things from the law firm. And Larry isn't heard from for months. As you can imagine, clients are calling and Elisa is giving them the runaround. They want to talk to their lawyer. They have cases to discuss. This is time sensitive. If you have a pending case and you can't get a hold of your lawyer for weeks, months? Not good. Friends don't hear from Larry. He's not returning their calls. And what is Elisa's excuse? She tells everyone that he's off on vacation. Don't worry, he's just out of town. All the while, she and Sarah are continuing to take on clients at the firm, collecting those retainers every time they get a call. So they're still making money. Elisa even sent out this invitation to a party that she said she was throwing for Larry. She gets all these RSVPs and then at the last minute cancels it with no explanation. It's getting weird. Greg Whalen, his friend that I mentioned before, grows even more concerned after not hearing from his friend Larry when Elisa starts giving away his belongings his horse trailer, she sells off company assets, all of this totaling up to a half a million dollars. And she actually gives Greg Larry's set of really high-end and expensive golf clubs. Greg knows Larry is this avid golfer and says, hey, you know, I think he's probably going to want these back. And Elisa says, no, he's not. Where he's going, he's not going to need these. Friends and family start alerting police that something isn't right here. No one has seen Larry, and now Elisa is pawning off all of his things. As I mentioned before, Larry's son, Joe, files a missing persons report. Police try to contact his wife, Elisa, but she disappears. Elisa and her daughter, Haley, skip town together, leaving Sarah behind. And Elisa told Haley that they were going to leave that life behind and start over. And Haley thought Larry was this really mean guy, so she's okay with it if it means that he's out of their life. But after a while, she realizes that she and her mom are on the run. They're constantly moving. They don't stay in one place very long. And they are running out of money. When they can't locate Larry and Elisa is missing too, this hits the news as... There is a couple that is missing. But on February 5th, the body of Larry McNabney was found in a vineyard. Farmers there noted buzzards circling a particular area and went to investigate and found a human leg sticking out of the ground. Police are called to find Larry buried in a very shallow grave. They do an autopsy and find that he was overdosed with a horse tranquilizer. Police also note that the body was in a state that they believed he had been recently moved. So the timeline of all of this is making no sense. He's been missing since September. Where was he before this? Was he moved and why was he moved? And where is his wife? Again, they didn't know if Elisa was also met with foul play like Larry or was she involved She's been missing for months, too. All the while, Larry's family and friends are like, it's her. She did this. They start to look into Elisa. And uh, that search doesn't really go anywhere because they find that Elisa doesn't exist. It's a fake name. And they continue digging and find that Elisa has had up to 40 different Aliases. Who was this woman? Police discover that Elisa McNabney was actually named Laren Sims from Florida and has used all these different names in her life. This goes back to her being very cagey about her past with Larry's friends and also her taking on these new personas with Larry's clients using different accents. She was a genuine scam artist. 40 different names. And she was only in her mid-30s, so you do the math. That is some genuine, cuckoo, crazy girl behavior right there. 40 different names. How does... uh, I don't even know. Police also find that Laren had a criminal record that was, wait for it, 133 pages long. Theft, embezzlement, identity theft, the list went on and on. She had already served time earlier in life, but was released and went on to start a new life under a new name and commit brand new offenses. Police see that this woman is a career criminal and no, she's on the run. They just got to find her. And unknowingly, Elisa, a.k.a. Laren, her real name, and her daughter Haley were in Florida living under new names. Laren had lost 30 pounds and dyed her hair darker. Laren had charmed some older gentlemen she met into letting her and Haley live in his guest house overlooking a golf course. So again, she found a wealthy man to put her up for a while. And she was actually working as a waitress at a place that was known to be a hangout for, wait for it, lawyers. That they would come in, eat and drink at this spot, and she was starting to flirt with some of them on the lookout for her next victim and her next scam. But before she was able to, police finally catch her in Destin, Florida, and when they find her, she's out by a pool and she admits and says, hey, I'm the one you're looking for. At this point, they know that Larry was murdered, but they need to find out how it went down. And on March 19th, 2002, Laryn writes this long confession. In the confession, she said that on September 11th, she and Sarah gave Larry a drink laced with horse tranquilizer. And thought that that would kill him. They take Larry, put him in the car, and drive him through Yosemite Park with a plan to dump him and bury him. But they're running into some issues. The first issue is that Larry is still alive. He was obviously very out of it and weak. But he's telling them, you're not going to get away with this. So they take him back home force-feed him more of the horse tranquilizer, and he eventually dies. They then stick him in a freezer for months. Laren said eventually she buried him alone, which explains why and how they discovered Larry in the state that he was in. Police suspected that he had been moved recently, and he was. Laren also claimed that Larry was abusive towards her, which from the past restraining orders from Larry's prior relationships, I could see that being a possibility. But in this case, they can't ask Larry to confirm or deny this. And Laren also stated that she buried Larry in a vineyard because he loved wine and she wanted him to be in a place that he Loved. Isn't that sweet? Warms the heart. She will kill you, but she'll uh, bury you in a place that you like. Truly insane. So, police are building a case against Laren. They know that she killed Larry, but they also know that Sarah was involved in this plot to murder him. But Laren's case stopped in its tracks on March 31st, 2002 when she committed suicide in her prison cell via hanging from a bedsheet. In her final letter, she asked for her attorney to sue the police department for failing to stop her from committing suicide. You heard me right. And she wanted that money to be placed in a trust for her daughter, Haley. So Laren, staying true to herself herself, was scamming and conning until the very end. In the note, she added, quote, this is all I can give to my children. My actions now will allow them to move into the future without this heavy burden. They won't have to watch my trial on court TV. It should all die with me, end quote. But it didn't all die with her. Sarah still had to be tried. Her daughter Haley, still had to testify in court. Larry's children and family were still seeking justice. She said that this will allow her children to move on without this heavy burden. But they can't. There's still this huge murder trial and mess that they are left to deal with alone. She just strikes me as an incredibly self-serving person and grosses me out. Her daughter Haley knew that her mom had killed Larry at this point and had really distanced herself from her mom. And I really do feel so much sympathy for Haley. To be taken on this roller coaster ride by her mother and for it to end like that, with Laren stating that she's such a martyr and she's doing this for everybody else. How devastating for a child. So, the only person that they have left to prosecute for Larry's murder is Sarah, and she ends up pleading not guilty. Prosecution was really going after a first degree murder charge because this crime was meditated. They planned this out. Sarah played it that she was sort of this victim and she was actually really afraid of Laren, but this simply wasn't true. Haley, Laren's daughter, testified that Sarah was very much enjoying all the perks. She was riding around living the high life, the money, the new cars, and was very much taking advantage of the situation she was in. And she was okay with committing this crime until she got caught. Sarah was ultimately convicted of voluntary manslaughter and being an accessory to murder. She was sentenced to 11 years and 8 months. I think the jury saw Sarah as this young, naive sidekick to Laren and not as guilty. To me, that doesn't bode. Sarah was fully aware of the situation. This was no accident. They planned the murder, were pushing him around in a wheelchair, drugged him, drove back and forth figuring out what to do with him, and then spent months pawning off his belongings, all the while continuing to take clients at the firm. I believe that Sarah is manipulative and cunning, just like Laren. I believe that's why the two connected so much and, quote, fell in love, as they said, and worked as this scamming and murdering twosome. Sarah really played on the fact that before she met Alisa, a.k.a. Laren and Larry, she was this wholesome Christian girl. Give me a break. I think a lot of times it's the people that sit and preach to you about how religious they are, how moral they are, that are the ones that are sometimes doing the most heinous stuff. I have people that I know that go to church every Sunday, 9 a.m. They never miss a service. They're in the front pew, and they are also some of the most hateful and unkind people that I've ever met. So that doesn't compute for me. It doesn't matter if you go to church every Sunday. If you're obviously not listening or soaking up any of the sermons, hello. And now just another quick word from today's sponsors. And we're back. So yeah, I have a very strong faith and a great relationship with God. So it very much irritates me when people come forward and say, oh, well, I'm a Christian. Well, act like it. Sarah was released in August 2011 after serving 85% of her sentence. So she's walking around free today. And Larry's family... Don't believe that justice was served here, and I can definitely agree with them there. Laren took her way out before she could even get to the stand, and Sarah got off fairly light for this kind of crime. All in all, this is a case that is a cautionary tale of who you get involved with, who you bring into your life, business, home, and most importantly, around your children, Laren was obviously able to get away with a lot of her crimes at the law firm because Larry allowed her to, over and over. But I imagine he didn't know what Laren and Sarah were capable of. Murder. This case was turned into a Lifetime movie, of course it was, called Lies My Mother Told Me, and was featured on Dateline, Snapped, and many other programs, and even inspired the novel Marked for Death. And I can see why. It's nuts. I believe that if Laren would have continued on, she would have eventually found another man like Larry to take her in, and the cycle would have repeated, possibly resulting in another murder. If you want all episodes ad-free, join the Avery After Dark Patreon linked on this podcast. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and following along with Avery After Dark on TikTok and Facebook. Be sure to leave a good review and rating that really helps out so much. I appreciate you and stay safe out there. I'll see you next episode.